0: What's up, everyone? Welcome back to another episode of Double Move Sports. As always, I am Steph, and here with me is Alex. Say hey, what's up to the people.
1: Hey, everyone. Happy to be back. We have a very, very special guest for you today. Steph, why don't you give him the intro?
0: Very special guest today, like Alex said. It is CSD Fantasy, also known as Kyle or Carl Dunger. Sorry for botching the name there. Uh, we, he goes by CSD. You can follow him on Twitter at CSDFantasy csd fantasy is his channel on youtube got over a thousand subscribers on there and then csdfantasy.com what is up man hey how's it going and don't worry about my name it happens to a
2: lot of people but usually the last name is where people struggle (laughs) and not so much (laughs) with the with the carl you know people like to throw out the walking dead reference with my my first name Uh, other than that i'm i'm doing good how about y'all
0: yeah, doing pretty well. We're, we're pumped to get into it today. We got a lot of good stuff planned on the show. We're going to get into the Super Bowl preview, breaking everything down on both sides of the ball. Our predictions, our thoughts, get into a little bit of some sleepers, some way too early sleepers for 2020. And we're going to ask Carl some questions as well as what it's like being in the fantasy football game. I think that's where we're going to start. You know, so I was looking at your Twitter bio, Twitter bio. It's where university statistics and analytics meet fantasy football. That's CSD Fantasy. And so I want to learn a little bit about, you know, what does it mean to be driven by analytics in fantasy football? We hear this debate going on all the time, the film guys versus the analytics guys, you know, do you have a, a stake in that one and and you know, really what does analytics mean? I think when it comes to that battle,
2: I think people need to take a step back. It's sort of like the soccer versus football battle or fantasy versus real football and realize that it's not a competition. It's about using one thing to help uh, create better, not content, but create better situations for you to win, even if that's... um, watching something that's more enjoyable to you or winning for an NFL team or winning in fantasy. So driven by analytics to me means that you follow trends, projections, and data instead of going by your gut. But of course, for most people, playing the players in fantasy that you like is huge and I encourage that that as well. But I will stick to my numbers and trust that they will lead me to victory. So stay away from biases I have or views of certain players and follow the numbers to lead me to a starting lineup. I don't just look at numbers and say, this is the end all be all for everything, but it will take you into a situation
1: where you have more info than your opponent. I love that. I think that's really well said. I, I think you can use both analytics and the film side uh, kind of together to give you um, your best chance at winning. And, and like you said, some of us are visual people some of us are numbers people some of us just like to go with our gut so i think it's best to kind of go with where you feel the most comfortable and then fill in those gaps by using other people in the industry uh, use their help use the resources that are out there uh, to to give you the most knowledge and the most information possible so csd tell us how did you get into fantasy how did you get into creating your own content how did you get into your youtube channel what kind of did that whole process uh, look like when you decided to start this journey
2: Oof, uh, well, I started playing fantasy mainly because I found Red Zone uh, a while back, uh, living back home in Sweden, and I wanted more games to matter to me and not just the Cowboys and NFC games, NFC East games in particular. So after I moved to the US after college and during that first year I lived here, I didn't have too much going on, so I dug deeper into fantasy and really got into it. Uh, started blogging and creating my own projections and down the rabbit hole I went Uh, just everything that I could get my hands on I got for fantasy Uh, and it was actually my wife then girlfriend's grandfather who told me like oh you should start a YouTube channel that's that's I heard that's a good business I'm like oh yeah why, why not and just it went from there but it's it's been a crazy ride since 2016 when I started and uh i'm working hard to to this day
0: well csd i'm I'm curious how did a guy from sweden become a cowboys fan
2: oh that's uh we we talked about this on on uh, the fantasy rabbit hole on my youtube channel as well with uh, nick faber and matt williams and it's an interesting story do you all know the movie the little giants absolutely oh yeah yeah, so the Cowboys are this really serious but bad guys in that movie. But growing up, I was super serious about soccer and I hated the people who didn't take it as seriously as me. So the Cowboys players on that in that movie, I'm like, oh these are these are my like they're working hard, they're serious, you know, they got the outfit, they look super cool. I'm like, that's that's a real team. That's my team.
0: <laughs> I love it. I love it. You got me hyped up. I'm. Uh, I wish I could say my, my story was that cool for liking the Browns, but what's it like? You know, we mentioned all these different types of content that you make, right? YouTube videos. Um, you're putting out. You know, info on your site, articles. Uh, you have all these social channels. You know, what is it like making that? Width of content, you know, do you have a kind of a strategy where you have every day mapped out to a T in terms of hey, I got to get my one YouTube video done this week, I got to get this done. You know, what does that look like for you, just in terms of putting out content?
2: You you're pretty spot on with that actually. I I have a to do list to the left of me all the time with this is what I'm getting done this day, and then I plan out roughly eight to nine months of content in advance. And just stick to that schedule almost to the teeth. Sometimes I try to be a little bit more flexible when things happen uh, in the real world. But I try to uh, stick to that plan because it's so many different moving parts. It's free agency. It's prepping for drafts. It's dynasty. It's redraft. It's best ball. Um, You have to look at quarterbacks. You have to look at wide receivers. When are you doing rankings? When are you doing your uh adp deep dive dive and stuff like that so i try to stick to my schedule as much as i can to keep uh my sanity <laughs> but it's a ton of fun and i learned so much in terms of graphic design, design statistical modeling projections and so on uh interaction with people is huge hearing someone say they want a championship because they follow you That's what keeps you going to times where you're so freaking tired and when you're like, I really don't want to put out this YouTube video after working eight hours straight, but that's what keeps you going.
1: That's awesome, man. I I think you really nailed it on the head there. I mean, one, it sounds like you're very regimented and and that schedule you have is so necessary to kind of build out what you've done. And and you're right, even here at Double Move Sports, like just having that one person – Say that you had a part in them winning a championship and you helped them with, with some start-sit decision. Man, that makes the biggest difference in the world. Um, so that's awesome. I think that's a great strategy that you have. And, and a lot of your graphics that we've seen are really awesome. So it's it's awesome that you're still continuing to, to learn and just improve. And, I mean, I think we all are at this point. But before we get into the meat of the show and some of these Super Bowl predictions and things like that, we have one more question for you. Do you have a specific redraft strategy? So some people go zero running back. Some people wait on a QB. Uh, What kind of strategies do you like in redraft leagues? And is there one that you typically use every single year?
2: uh, I don't really have one, but I have a couple that I like to mix and match depending on the situation in each draft. So I don't go in with one in mind. uh, But two that I like to combine, I would say that two that are my favorite to combine is... Uh, some, of course, that I created myself and I call them CSD drafting and I call them darting. So CSD drafting means that you go heavy, safe players in rounds one to four. So I want a really high floor on my first four players. I'm thinking Christian McCaffrey, Ezekiel Elliott, uh, DeAndre Hopkins, players like that that are proven commodities. I don't want to go... Dalvin Cook for instance until you know he broke out but he wasn't a proven commodity until this year so I tried to stay away from those unproven players in rounds one to four and then start looking at upside in rounds five and on until around round 10 when you start thinking about a quarterback so not too late of a quarterback go but not early and then I like to combine that with darting it's similar but here you go heavy on running backs in round six and beyond uh, just get a ton of RB2s uh, on their own teams and rookie running backs. I Just throw darts at backs and hope something sticks. Uh, Mark Ingram, Phillip Lindsay come to mind. They had good situations. Lindsay didn't pan out. Mark Ingram pan out really well. Uh, the year before that, I can't remember who I was aiming at. Austin Eckler was huge in 2019. Just throwing darts at, at running backs that might pan out. I'm not saying go lower running back in rounds one to four but you go really heavy running back in the middle rounds to try to to get some value those are those are probably my two favorite ones
0: those are some incredible strategies there and I, I think that's you'll be know, hear all these different answers and, and different strategies that we can use I think all of them have their time and their place I love what you said kind of the beginning there like you know you don't have one that you stick to every time and I think that's that's a way that you're looking at the entirety of that fantasy draft board holistically and knowing really where the values are. And I think, you know, you being a guy that's putting the work in, you know the numbers, it definitely helps a lot. And you kind of have the guys in your mind like, hey, I'm not going to not gonna waste an early pick on on Dalvin Cook, who may be a little bit more injury prone than we've seen, uh, as opposed to a guy like Christian McCaffrey, who's much more of a sure thing that definitely would have uh, played out really, really well for you in 2019, grabbing him there.
2: Dalvin Cook worked out pretty well as well
0: that's true that's true certainly no uh, McCaffrey though we'll see if if the values remain the same throughout this season but guys I think it's time to hop into it here our 2019 2020 season Super Bowl preview It's Super Bowl 54 in Miami we have the Kansas City Chiefs who went 12 and 4 in the regular season number two seed out of the AFC they're one and a half point favorites in this game And then the other side of the ball out of the NFC side, we have the number one seed, San Francisco 49ers. There's so much to look for in this game. It's a 54 point over under, which is pretty high. You think any game that Kansas City's in is going to be a shootout. uh, But CSD, I'll pass this off to you first. Give us a breakdown. I, I guess we'll start with one team and then kind of talk about the other. Let's talk about Kansas City. Break it down for us, Carl. I
2: I really think it's going to be heavy pass, of course, when it comes to Kansas City, not to let the game get shorter than it have to be with the Niners running the ball all day long. Uh, Key for them, as always, is Kelsey. Uh, He's probably going to see a double team, but if he can get open and let Mahomes have a quick option, as I don't see Watkins and Hill Hardman getting downfield fast enough to counter the pass rush of Bosa and Buckner. But I think heavy pass to lengthen the game so
1: to speak yeah I like that take I I, to me I I think we know what the Chiefs are going to do in the passing game I think the 49ers know what the Chiefs are going to do in the passing game like Mahomes is going to get his 300 yards probably get a couple touchdowns but to me the difference in this game is really going to come from the Chiefs defense Uh, the Chiefs defense are actually 7th in points allowed per game in the regular season. But their problem is they can't really stop the run. In the regular season, they were 26th in rush yards allowed per game. We know what the 49ers can do on the ground. We just saw Mostert go off. So to me, I think the Chiefs really need to do some, contain Mostert in some way. Uh, in this game In the two playoff games so far, they have only allowed 89 rush yards a game, which would have ranked third in the regular season. So they have improved as the season has gone on. Uh, but I really think they need Chris Jones healthy in this one on that D line to try to stop that run if they're able to do so and they can force uh, Jimmy G to throw the ball. I-, I think they really have a shot here. But Yeah, to me, I think it comes down to the Kansas City defense. And then CSD, you kind of said it as well, it's stopping that San Francisco pass rush. So uh, Football Outsiders actually ranks the Kansas City pass protection as number four in the league. So we'll see if that can hold up uh, against Bosa, Armstead, Buckner, Ford on that San Francisco D-line. But uh, yeah, I think those are some key things to look for, at least from my lens. Yeah, I think something
0: that's really clear in this one is that Kansas City cannot afford to go down two possessions like they have against the Titans and the Texans. You're not going to be able to come back that easily against the San Francisco defense. I don't know if they're going to have the time to let Mahomes do a seven-step drop back and take that 40 to 60-yard deep shot. I just uh, the offensive line and the pass protection for Kansas City, you know, Alex said they're great and and they have shown that, but I think what is one of the analysts, I forget who said it, but they said essentially Kansas City, when the play breaks down, the, the game turns into like a punt return. And you just have everybody just going wide, scramble, drill. And, you know, if you let Mahomes run that scramble drill, you're going to get beat. And so that's the one area that I feel like San Francisco is their strongest is in their front seven on the defensive side. Uh, I think it's much more likely that the Chiefs are going to have to play a perfect game and, you know, it's pretty easy to mess up a scramble drill on third and long, uh, compared to the 49ers. Um, you know, if it's, to me, it seems much more likely that they're going to be able to move the ball in this game. I don't see Kansas city's run defense as good as they played against the Titans being able to stop the 49ers tricky zone run game. You see the way Shanahan exposes front sevens with all this, these fakes, these empty motions and shifts before and after the snap. And, what I love personally, this is just a, a Homer pick, a Homer take here. The way they incorporate the fullback to really act as that wrecking ball. You have Kyle Usechek. You know, when that gap opens up, the defense, Kansas City's going to be thinking, "Hey, we'll just we'll just plug this gap. There's no way they can get through it." We see what their whole offensive line is going for, and then bam, you have Usechek come through that hole and then create that huge lane. Some of these insane gaps that we've seen most at run through over the last two games here in the playoffs against. Really, really good defense. So I I love the way they use the fullback. Man, I I have the 49ers taking this one, um, which leads me to uh, CSD. Give me your breakdown on the 49ers side of the ball.
2: This one is, to me, even more interesting than Kansas City. Like you said before, I think we kind of know what the Chiefs are. The San Francisco 49ers, I feel like we know they're a run team, but they can, with Kyle Shanahan, he has so many tricks up his sleeve that he hasn't shown in a couple of games now. It's just run, 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 run. All of a sudden, you have Debo Samuel and Emmanuel Sanders being almost nothing in the passing game. Kittle had one target last week, or last week. Yeah, it was last week. Um, I think that's going to change, and I think keep an eye on Kittle in this game. I think he's going to be a bigger factor as... He's kind of been snuck along, or they sneaked with him a little bit, haven't been using him, and he's still, to me, probably a better tight end than Kelsey overall, with pass blocking in mind, and just running over people, he does not stop, and I think he's going to be key in this game offensively for the ers and defensively, it has to be to like you said, contain Mahomes in the pocket. If he can scramble, I don't necessarily agree with what you said there. If he can scramble out of the pocket, nobody throws it like him. And the fast, speedy receivers they have on that team its insane. If you let them scramble around and let Mahomes do his thing, the defense will eventually break down. But if you can contain him in the pocket... I think they have a shot at this one. I still think the the Chiefs have this one, and not in the bag, but I do think it's going to be a high-scoring game that they eventually uh, break down the 49ers with just big plays eventually.
1: Yeah, CSD, I, I think you make some great points there, especially at the end with Mahomes. I mean, for this 49ers pass rush unit, just getting pressure on Mahomes is not good enough. You have to actually bring him to the ground. If you get pressure, he's going to find a way to get out use some ridiculous arm angle and use his arm strength to find a guy downfield. So I, I think the 49ers really need to get him to the ground. And just looking at this team, they are they are the most complete team in football. Now, whether I think they're going to win this game or not, I, I'm not 100% sold on, but they're second in rush yards a game. They're second in points per game, second in total defense, first in pass yards allowed a game. I was looking up some stats on the 49ers today, and it just looks like they're – in the top 10 in just about everything. Pass yards a game, I think they're just outside of that top 10, but they're not quite as low as I would have thought. Uh, And then, like you said, they they feel like a running team in their identity. Raheem Mostert is averaging 6.8 yards per carry in the playoffs. In the regular season, he was at 5.6 yards per carry, which actually led all running backs. So I think the key to this game for the 49ers is to get up to a lead early, use the running game well, Jimmy G has only thrown 27 passes in the playoffs this year. So, you know, if, if he can keep his pass attempts down, I think that's going to tell the story. If Jimmy G's having to throw the ball 40 times in this game, I think that's going to show us that the Chiefs have it. Uh, I actually do have the Chiefs to win this one, but I think it's because they get up early and force Jimmy G to try to have some sort of comeback comeback attempt, and I just don't know if he's going to be able to do it.
0: Yeah, you know, the the Niners are 3-2 and two in – uh, the top five most passing attempt games, uh, and making Jimmy G throw. I, I know that's kind of the the surface level take to throw out there, but it does seem to be the only way to actually beat them. I don't think it's it's as much of a case of Jimmy G not being a good quarterback. It's just that these other teams are putting up so many points that you know, you're going to have to be able to keep up with them, and you're going to have to throw the ball. And so there's no guarantee that you know, just limiting, limiting Jimmy G is going to work. I think that, you know, look at the super high scoring game in new Orleans. I think it was like week 10 ended in 48 to 46 score. He had, you know, Jimmy G had 35 pass attempts. Um, of course the chiefs are going to use their verticality, their stick concepts to create man-to-man matchups where, you know, you have Tyreek Hill, who just has to beat one guy. Uh, but the thing is, San Francisco doesn't run much man-to-man too often. They run a lot more of that Pete Carroll, Seahawks-style cover-three zone defense. Uh, to me, this game becomes what would you rather have, the better quarterback or the better offense? And I- I'm taking the better offense, but certainly I, I don't disagree with, with the Chiefs' take. Uh, I'm not going to debate you too hard there. I think this game is going could go either way. Um, I think we would all agree that you know we're smashing the over uh, on that 54 points.
1: I think one thing we can all agree on is that this will be a more entertaining Super Bowl than last year's 14-3 to 3 shootout.
2: <laughs> 100%. Especially as I think the two coaches might tr- overthink a little too much in this game. I can see it becoming a little bit more high-scoring due to them being, uh, not I don't want to say taken by the spotlight, but somewhat like, oh, I'm back here. Is Am I going to mess up again? What's going to happen? And then just that will lead to a few key moments that I think will decide this game. And if there's a coaching error, who's the quarterback you want to fix that error? To me, it's Mahomes over Jimmy. I like Jimmy Garoppolo. I think he, he gets he doesn't get enough credit. Like you said, the Saints game was fantastic. And it's just that they don't have to use Jimmy in the other games. Like, they have no need in when they're running the ball the way they're doing it. But I think to keep up with an offense like this, no other offense has this this many weapons. Nobody has Watkins, Hill, and Hardman, and Kelsey, while also having uh, Damian Williams, who all of a sudden looks like a pretty decent running back. And who's freaking throwing the ball? Patrick Mahomes. It's It's not Ryan Tannehill. It's not Aaron Rodgers with only Devontae Adams. This is a stacked offense, and the 49ers haven't played this offense since the Saints.
0: I think if the Chiefs win, and this plays well to your point, which I think was a great one, which is if, if the Chiefs are going to win this one, it's going to be a pass-heavy game, and the Chiefs are going to have to have a big day offensively. I, I don't think anyone thinks this is going to be one where you know it's it's 17-14. Right? This is going to be a game of of points um and i think from the chiefs it's going to come through the air which is it's just going to be so fun to watch i feel spoiled getting to watch the super bowl it's like the top two teams really are finally playing it feels like um, let's talk about some potential super bowl MV mvp candidates you know we talked about a couple of the different game scripts and ways this could play out um and I, you mentioned a bunch of the names there csd we mentioned Mahomes, kelsey um on the defensive side for kansas city the honey badger could be an interesting one if he gets a a big pick late in this game and and remains physical plays like he always does he's had some amazing plays so far in the playoffs i think he could be a, a sneaky one for super bowl mvp who on the 49ers side outside of jimmy g gotta be george kittle for me if if anybody
2: can on the offense for the 49ers can win the title has to be george kittle and on the defense defensive side i think Bosa just feels like one of those players that can it does. It have does. that game, the Vaughn Miller type game of I'ma take over this. And you've not not gonna see me play this well ever again. This is my <laughs> peak, even though I'm this early in my career, like just take over the game. What was it? Against Russell Wilson, he chased him down like two, three times. Of speeds you don't see a lineman come up to, and he's just he's on the ground, he's up, he's running, catching Wilson in the back you don't see that from that many linemen and I feel like those two are the, the guys I would pick on the on the 49ers side and I think you you have it perfectly for Kansas City.
1: You know I saw a tweet I forgot where it comes from but it said something along the lines of a rumor that uh, the Bosa brothers wanted to play together when when their contracts were up so I, I hope for the rest of the league that that is not allowed to happen <laughs> but yeah I think you nailed it. I, I could see the 49ers having a A very spread offensive output. Maybe Debo gets a little bit, Sanders gets a little bit, the running game gets a little bit, Kittle does, and then maybe there's someone that has a dominating game on defense. Maybe Richard Sherman gets two picks. Maybe Bosa gets you know two or three sacks, just has an incredible game. And then on the Chiefs side, I know Mahomes is the obvious pick, and I'm not picking this guy to win MVP. But a Super Bowl just feels like the type of game where a guy like miko Hardman could break a big one. So keep an eye out for him too.
0: And I'm taking any and all prop bets on a Kyle Juzczyk touchdown. Lock that in right now. <laughs> <laughs> and then I'm I'm taking any prop bets on the
2: 49ers going up 28-3 and then dropping it.
0: Oh <laughs> Yes,
2: I live in Atlanta.
0: <laughs> too real. Oh man. Yeah, the guy from Atlanta knows that pain very, very well. Let's let's break it down now. On a more fantasy side of football, let's talk about some redraft sleepers, specifically in the wide receiver category. I think there's a few guys right now getting some hype. Uh, we're looking at, you know, now that we've had some time to digest everything from the 2019 season, we're looking at how rankings played out last year, different situations, free agency, uh, some of the ways that this this can play out. Well, let's kind of go through here. We'll just each kind of go one at a time and give our take on some sleeper wide receivers in redraft formats. You can also have anything you need to say there in terms of a dynasty or or a DFS as well. But Alex, I'll let you go first on this one. Give me your first way-too-early redraft sleeper,
1: wide receiver. Well, I promise you guys, I did not plan this. I did not know that CSD was a Cowboys fan, but my first sleeper at the wide receiver spot for 2020 is Michael Gallup.
2: Yes, my man.
1: I just put out a highlight video of this guy on our YouTube channel, and watching his tape, it just... It made me realize how good he really is. I don't think I watched enough Cowboys this year, uh, but he was a third-round pick in 2018. He actually finished, in terms of points per game, he was the wide receiver 17. I think he was wide receiver 22 in PPR, but he only played 14 games. Um, So, I mean, this guy, he had eight targets a game in just his second season. He was sixth in the NFL in yards per game. He was seventh in the NFL in yards per catch. This guy can make it happen. Uh, He's a great route runner. He's great with the ball in his hands after the catch. And then you look at this Cowboys team in Amari Cooper, Randall Cobb, and Jason Witten. All are free agents this year. One or all of those guys could be gone. That's 285 potential targets. I think even if Cooper comes back, Gallup is a great um one two punch with him. It could be like a Mike Evans, Chris Godwin type situation. But if he walks or if Cobb and Witten walk, they're gonna be open targets. We saw that report build with Dak Prescott this season. I think Gallup's got a bright future ahead.
2: You mind if I uh join in on the Gallup hype train a little bit? Go in. Please do. So uh, I've done a proxy receiver, which is a receiver that's a combination of the six top receivers from last year and looked at their receiving trends. So if you have a lot of targets going short left, meaning roughly uh, 10 to 15 yards uh, from the line of scrimmage, that means that you most likely is going to be a high scoring wide receiver. In that zone, Michael Gallup has 31% of all his targets. That's uh, 3% above the league average. He has a massive um, 68% catch rate in that zone, which is also above league average. But even better, 13 yards per catch on those catches. That is Chris Godwin level. That's Mike Williams level. Adam Thielen level. It's above Amari Cooper. It's above Michael Thomas. It's above Mike Evans, AJ Brown, all like big names he's two, three yards above these guys. If he can just raise the catch rate a little bit more, I think he's going to be a stud.
0: I'm with you guys as well on Gallup. I think he's one of those guys you circle. I mean, he ended as a wide receiver too this year. Uh, And just his second year, we talk about that that second year wide receiver breakout. I think we certainly saw a little bit of that from him. And uh, Dak is throwing the ball the most he has ever in his career. So I I like the situation and the talent for Gallup. Uh, One of the ones I want to bring up was actually a rookie this year. A lot of people forget about him because he only played eight games before being put on IR, but it's Preston Williams. I think he's a very intriguing, you know, late round flyer that you can take in redraft in 2020. We saw what Devontae Parker was able to do in the Dolphins offense. You know, you think if if the volume goes up for Preston Williams, who averaged about four receptions a game this year, uh, it was 13.4 yards per reception. So, you know, right on point with Michael Gallup that we just talked about, Uh, He averaged 11.6 PPR points per game as a undrafted free agent rookie, you know, on a bad, honestly, bad Dolphins offense. If you believe in, you know, them taking Tua and the upside in that situation there, you add in some some deeper receptions for Preston Williams, some end zone touches. He had three touchdowns this year in eight games. So if you extrapolate that out, he could be around that six seven range. Um, I think he could be a great stash. St- uh, stash <laughs> excuse me in drafts. Um, I'm, I'm eyeing him if he falls. You know, maybe a 10 plus round. I'll just scoop him up. Um, could be a guy that's very flexible, or even in a wide receiver wide receiver two spot uh, later on. But uh, CSD, do you have any others to add, or anything on Preston Williams?
2: Yeah, I think it's interesting that you brought up Preston Williams. I think he's a great pick as well. I'm really impressed by the the guys y'all are picking. If you look at and compare what I was speaking on with my favorite draft strategies, picking heavy upside later on in draft, Preston Williams actually has a higher f- floor than Odell Beckham Jr. and roughly the same ceiling as him on a one, per, one game per basis uh, from 2019. So I'm extremely intrigued by him. Uh, my own pick would be a guy I did a deep dive uh, into this weekend with Nicole Hartman. Uh, I was speaking on that with Michael Gallup as well. Hartman actually has even more passes coming in the short left zone. He has one of the highest catch rates with 85% in the zone and 10.5 yards per catch. Uh, it's fantastic when you look at it that way. The only thing missing from him is more targets. And you can save $14 million in on the cap if you cut... Sammy Watkins. That's roughly 90 targets up for grabs uh, for Kansas City next year. All all of them can't go to Tyreek Hill and Travis Kelsey. 30 has to go to McCall Hardman. Add 10 for his own um, progression, and you're up at 80 targets for him. Massive upside.
1: I love that pick. I I mean, if you're in a dynasty league, I think now is the time to go get Mikael Hardman because, like you said, if if Sammy Watkins gets cut, which I think is very, very possible— his value skyrockets. We look at this season and remember Tyreek Hill missed several games. Watkins actually missed a game in there too. In the games where one of those guys was out, he was seeing 50 to 60% of snaps in those games 78, 74, 63, 63, 62. When their whole receiving core was healthy, he was down to like 15, 18, 22% of snaps. and uh, We saw him produce in some of those. Uh, games where he was seeing snaps, and so we actually saw him get some big plays down the stretch as well. We know he's talented. We know he's fast. Watkins could be gone, and then also remember with Tyreek Hill, I know he signed that extension last off season, but he did have some trouble last year with the law, and he's he's one mistake away. Uh, from being off of that team. So and not saying he's gonna make a mistake, I really hope he gets back on track from a, a personal perspective, but there's a lot of things in Kansas City that that could happen that creates massive opportunity for Miko Hardman. So I love that. I think his upside is huge.
0: Yeah, Alex, I think I'm gonna take that one in our our dynasty startup here. maybe grab Miko a little bit early, maybe snipe him from you. but uh, Alex, give us give us one of uh, your last wide receiver sleepers here in uh, 2020 redraft
1: so the second guy I have and I promise I did not plan this so I know (laughs) ZSD you're from Atlanta and you're a Cowboys fan so I picked the Michael Gallup Cowboys pick and now I've got Calvin Ridley from the Atlanta Falcons he was a first round pick in 2018 Uh, he actually finished this season wide receiver 18 in terms of points per game Uh, he only played 13 games Um, But in terms of, you know, if you just take his average, he was uh, the 18th wide receiver. He had seven targets a game. And we look at his season after the Falcons traded Mohamed Sanu, and things get very interesting. He played four games um, with Matt Ryan after Mohamed Sanu got traded, and he averaged 21.5 PPR points a game. Only one player in the NFL averaged more than 21.5 PPR points a game this season, and it was Michael Thomas. One last thing on Ridley before we, before we move on to the next guy is a stat that Football Outsiders actually puts together, and it's called the DVOA. And what the DVOA is is the Defense Adjusted Value Over Average. So I know that's a mouthful, but what this basically measures is it measures a player's value on every single play above an average wide receiver in that same situation so it takes your guy and it compares it to the average and it basically says how much value does he create per play of that metric where they're looking at every single snap Ridley is number two in the NFL the only guy he's behind is Chris Godwin so this is a guy who even when he's not out there you know making catches on every play he's running crisp routes he's getting open he's doing the right things putting himself in position uh, to make plays And, and I think he saw step up this year with the seven targets a game. Uh, and then next year, I think he could easily step up again. I think he really could be uh, another guy who is like a Chris Godwin, Mike Evans situation. I think that could be a really good one-two punch in Atlanta.
2: It's funny that you said you, you were going uh, Cowboys and then uh, Atlanta. Because you actually not just went with that, but you stole my second guy, which was Calvin Ridley. I was super excited about him as well. <laughs> and he has some amazing receiving trends going on for himself like i uh, i'm a little bit shocked that you went uh, calvin ridley and had that much info on him because i was so prepared to go in and be like oh calvin Ridley is my guy nobody talks about (laughs) him and then you're like yes i am also prepared Uh, i love it Uh, i kind of have to give take a second to find out another guy so if you want to go ahead and go before me I just wanted to chime in.
0: Yeah, we must be uh, you must be taking the right picks here. That's validating. <laughs> yes, a lot of validation on this pod. I love it. I'll go ahead and go with my next one uh, while you figure out yours. Mine is a guy, you know, we talk about crazy numbers with Calvin Ridley. Really. I think this guy has some actually really crazy numbers, and a lot of people don't really consider him a, a top-tier wide receiver or even one that they're looking at in, in – you know, anywhere before the sixth round of a fantasy draft, maybe I'm wrong here, but it's Curtis Samuel. You know, I, I do think for 2020, he's a little bit QB dependent. But listen to some of these stats. He he was he led the league in routes run in the NFL he was top 12 this season in air yards essentially every other name on that list is a Mike Evans Michael Thomas you know uh, Jarvis Landry all these wide receiver ones so he's up there with the best of them Keenan Allen's up there as well Mark Cooper's up there so he has that level of air yardage going his way and he only caught 51% of his targets so If that catch rate just goes up even a little bit and the quarterback situation, I I think they're going to get an upgrade in there over Kyle Allen, whether it's Cam Newton coming back, maybe it's the draft, maybe they go out and sign uh, the man – Philip Rivers who is officially a free agent today Uh, but to me I I think Samuel is a a guy that you can grab late in drafts I think a lot of folks are down on him they're more focused on DJ Moore in that offense Um, but if things go well for the Panthers I think Curtis Samuel will be a big beneficiary of that I think he's their he's their deep threat Uh, and I think I want my hands on as many deep threats as I can if I'm I'm late in a redraft league so that's my take there Curtis Samuel
2: finally I can go against one of y'all I think that's a terrible pick oh he cannot catch deep balls like he doesn't even catch a third of passes going more than 15 yards from the line of
0: scrimmage all right that's at least at least i'll say on that it's improvable you know if it was something like his speed more natural things right jumping ability uh big body in the red zone um and speed is honestly the biggest one speed kills in the league so
1: i think it's good to keep an eye on i mean sorry to interrupt you there steph but if he's running all those routes and, he, you know, he clearly his catch rate is low, maybe maybe an improved quarterback, uh, like you said, might help CSD. I don't know with with that stat. Maybe some of maybe some of those were catchable balls. Maybe some weren't very well thrown. We'll see. Maybe Kyle Allen was just chucking it deep.
0: Um, yeah. Give us more on, on that. I'm interested to hear about uh, Curtis Samuel
1: yeah so he sees roughly 41 percent
2: of his targets to the short ride zone he actually catches 70 percent of those balls but his yards per catch is is below league average at around 8.4 which is not fantastic when you see almost half of your targets in that in that zone and on the deep throws most of them go deep right which is beneficial for a wide receiver but if you only catch 24 of of the deep throws that's that, that's not good and like you said the, the quarterback situation needs to improve because right now I don't buy him I like sure hands on a guy you say it's, it's trainable but I feel like we've seen players who have hand issues in the past that haven't developed by, uh, by that uh, or past that um, and having sure hands like somebody like Amari Cooper where you're like oh I'm throwing it to my receiver he's going to catch it If he's open and he can't catch the ball, to me, that's a huge red flag. But if some other quarterback who's more accurate comes in and can change it, because we've seen him with Kyle Allen, we've seen him with Cam Newton, not really accurate quarterback, I would have to see his catch rate go up significantly before I get on Curtis Samuel.
1: Yeah, I think that's a great call. I I mean, maybe a guy like Ted Ginn comes to mind, you know, a a speed threat. Um, doesn't catch a lot of balls. We've seen Ted Ginn drop passes time and time again, I know, uh, for my fantasy teams especially. But, you know, maybe Curtis Samuel's a guy uh, that's an upside play, kind of like your draft strategy earlier. I don't think he's going to be going in the top, you know, six rounds. Maybe he falls in drafts this year because he underperformed. And maybe he's a guy you can get in round, you know, seven or eight um, that maybe he doesn't pan out, but maybe he ends up, Converting on some of those deep passes, uh, and getting some more big plays. So I I love the take though. I think you know we'll have to wait and see on on quarterback play. But
0: yeah, one more thing too to add. I, I want to say about that Curtis Samuel take too. I'm, you know you've inspired me now. I'm gonna take some time here. I think my uh, a, a YouTube video project for me is gonna do some film breakdown of Curtis Samuel. I'm I'm actually really interested now to go see um, what what the film says and really spend some time studying his game and his attributes and, and his situation. I, I actually do think you've changed my mind a little bit. I'm, I'm less bullish on him. I can admit that, uh, but it'll be interesting to see. And I'm, I'm actually really glad uh, that you called me out there because it's always good to have both takes, right? We're, we're trying to give our listeners value for you know things to look out for. We're not telling you we're 100% right. We're just looking at you know going through our processes that have led to successful results up to this point, and you can take with it what you will. Um, so, yeah, I love it. Are there any other ones that, that you want to show some love to, Alex?
1: I'm good on my end. CSD, do you have any more wide receiver sleepers? I got one more. I just want
2: to uh, say one more th- thing about that video project you were talking about. I would love to see a video on Curtin Samuel and really dig deep into his uh, un- not uncatchable balls, but the balls he didn't catch and see what the main reason is for him not coming down with those balls. And that might change my opinion as well. So I think going deeper into a player like this, I, I, tr- I tend to stare at the numbers and then form my opinion based on that. But if we can come to a conclusion that he's not catching the balls because Kyle Allen is blind, that's fine <laughs> by me. Absolutely. Um. But uh, I'm going to go against what I've uh, preached here a little bit with Deontay Johnson as my last guy. Uh, uh, Mainly because I know that Ben Roethlisberger is coming back and that will increase the catch rate for him. He's actually pretty high on shorter throws, but it is the deeper ones that it's been an issue if you look in the middle and to the right, which he gets a lot of targets. Um, But the shorter throws to me is fantastic for a young receiver to show that you have hands. You are a reliable option for your quarterback, especially when somebody like Ben comes back and like he can see a young receiver being a reliable pass catcher that he can trust giving the ball to. That's going to lead to a lot of PPR points. So I'm excited about Deontay Johnson. He had 92 targets last year with terrible quarterback play and still got five touchdowns, 680 yards. Mike Tomlin is a fantastic coach, and there's no Antonio Brown.
0: I love it. I think if the Steelers' offense is firing on cylinders, Deontay Johnson would be a great play and probably someone that you can get pretty late. I, I think uh, we're all keeping our eyes on him in Dynasty. So I think Alex has a rapid-fire round prepared. We like to do this with all of our guests here on the show. So Alex is going to take you through. Um, what these are supposed to be is just the first thing that comes to your mind. Don't don't spend too much time thinking about it or try to formulate an answer. This is just your you know first gut instincts. Alex, take it away.
1: All right, CSD, you ready? I'm ready. Shoot. All right. PPR or half PPR? Half point PPR. Would you rather time travel to the past or to the future? Past. Where was the last vacation you went on? Uh, Destin, Florida. What is your favorite flavor of ice cream? Chocolate. Are you a morning person or a night person? Morning person, 100%. Xbox or PlayStation? Xbox all the way dynasty or redraft redraft last one here is eli manning a hall of famer no oh Oh. super
2: biased cowboys fan coming in there (laughs) love
1: it love it that
2: was i was not prepared for that one i'm like this is gonna be something weird and then eli manning (laughs) hall of famer okay let me we had a huge conversation sorry for hijacking a little bit we had a huge conversation on the fantasy rabbit hole last Wednesday which airs 9 p.m. Eastern Time on CSD Fantasy YouTube channel for a little plug. But Philip Rivers, I don't see it. Is I, I don't he uh, to me he's not great.
0: Why is everybody why is everybody in love with him?
1: Man, I don't know.
0: I think we've definitely seen him decline a little bit over these last couple of years. I think he's just the guy who has experience. He he's reliable. He's the old veteran. Um, now I think this year i don't know i feel like his mindset got a little bit negative towards the end or when you know he realized hey we're not going to get back to the playoffs this year some of the throws that he was taking you're like come on philip rivers you've been playing this game for you know over a decade now at this level you know not to make that throw i think he was just kind of in a, a a weird mindset a lot of people are down on him but we've seen him do it we've seen him um you know, maybe not win anything monstrous, no, no rings, nothing like that. But we have seen him take many teams to the playoffs. He's a very serviceable game manager. And when you have a guy that's, that's been around the game that long, I think teams will be glad to take their shot on him. Uh, no, he's not a Peyton. He's not a Brady. He's not a breeze. Um, but you know, he, he's been good. And I think good for a lot of teams, it's an upgrade over what they have currently. I, you know, everybody knows quarterback is the most important position. But yeah, it does seem like with the news today, he did get a little bit overhyped. I think he'd be a great guy to you know go into a situation where it's it's you know maybe somebody wants to put pressure on a starter. Um, I can throw out some some that I've seen um, a lot of folks saying you know take him into to uh, Tampa Bay. I don't know if I'm sold on that one. Um, I, I kind of like him in a place like you know Indy or Chicago, just that place that needs a little bit more stability that can reel him in and allow Rivers to reinvent himself. Going uh you know, maybe sign a two- or three-year deal, kind of have his victory lap, and, and then hang it up.
1: Yeah, I, I really think that this this past season kind of gave us all a jaded image of what Phillip Rivers is, and maybe we should take that, you know, for what it is. Maybe he's past his prime and he's declining and he's done, but we saw that team really struggle this year on the offensive line uh, especially, and we saw what that – I mean, offensive line – is kind of the key to your whole offense. And we saw what happened to the Rams when their offensive line declined this year. So I think that was a piece of it. Uh, I think another, but they always been terrible. They have, they have, but I, <laughs> I look just back to last year in 2018, um, Phillip rivers had 32 touchdowns to only 12 interceptions, a 105.5 passer rating. He completed 68% of his passes. Like those are great numbers. Uh, the Chargers were actually a pretty good team last year. I believe they won 11 games. So, so yeah, maybe this year was assigned to us that maybe he's past his prime. Maybe it was just a rough season. I think there are a lot of teams out there, like Steph said, that are willing to kick the tires a little bit and just give him a chance and see if he can come in and compete. I think at this point in Rivers' career, it can't hurt to bring him in as competition. And if he ends up being your guy or maybe he's a bridge quarterback, uh, you can see what you have. But, but yeah, I don't think – I don't think Phillip Rivers is, like, at this point in his career, at least one of these top-notch free agent quarterbacks. But I think he's had a great career. Uh, He's thrown almost 400 passing touchdowns in his career and close to 60,000 yards. That's pretty tough to do over a long period of time. So, So, yeah, we'll see.
2: So he's just unrational hate from my point.
1: It might be. I think we've all got a couple (laughs) players like that. Well, it may be it
0: may be called for we'll see how it plays out. That's that's always the fun part of all of this, right? We're gonna listen back in uh twelve months and be like, Wow, we got everything wrong but <laughs> No, I'm just kidding. So CSD, we want to say thank you so much for coming on the show. It's It's been an absolute blast going through this with you. I know you plugged the YouTube channel, and, and I'll plug it as well, everyone. Go check it out. It's so much good content, a lot of stat-driven content, a lot of just great information to have as a fantasy player. I was on there just scrolling through, kind of clicking on random videos for about an hour last night. and was like everything was, was kind of blowing me away. So, guys, go check that out. But CSD, anything to plug here before we sign off?
2: No, just check out um, at CST Fantasy on Twitter, Instagram, Facebook, fantasy.com. You can find all my content. The YouTube channel is where I put out most of my series. So I got Making the Leap, where I analyze players that will take a huge step forward in Fantasy Fan- fantasy Football 2020. McCole uh, Hartman is first up, so you can go and check that out right now. Um, Scheme Fit videos with all free agents coming after free agency. And I would like to say thank you so much for having me on as well. It's been
1: a blast. Yeah, man, it's been great having you. I know we've had a ton of energy in here today. It's been a really fun show. Uh, One last thing from my end before we go. Curtis Samuel, if you're listening, we would love to get your input on the whole 2020 situation. Let us know your thoughts. But if you're not, uh, to everyone else, uh, I think that's a great call. We can expect maybe a Curtis Samuel film review here in the next couple weeks. CSD, thanks again for hopping on with us. Uh, this is Stefan Alex again from Double Move Sports, and we'll see you next time.